0: a better way of seeing the life that you want to live. It's the Your Life Lived Well podcast with Dr. Kevin Payne. Welcome. So yesterday I was talking about exercise with a couple of friends who are trying to get into shape. And I thought, you know, that would be a really good topic for today. So I pushed off what I had planned and we're going to talk about movement. Now, I like to call it movement, not exercise. It's about adopting a different attitude toward moving in your life. And so I'm going to start with the requisite caveats. Check with your medical team for approval in your case. And if you're unsure about any of this, engage a professional trainer or physiotherapist familiar with how people with your specific challenges should exercise. I'll have future episodes with some of those professionals as guests, but today I want us to talk about some of the more basic aspects of movement, why you should, and how you can get started. So, (laughs) some people may differ uh, with my assessment here, but I really am not some crazed extremist health Nazi. We need to relax, we need to have fun, we need to indulge in the pleasures of life. However, we also need to have bodies that can operate as well as they can, given our specific challenges. And that demands a little consistent work. Let me tell you a little bit about my story with exercise, because... It's sort of complicated, and I've lived through a lot of the challenges that you're living through right now. So, you know, when I was a kid, I was a skinny little geek with glasses, right? There are all those stereotypes that are associated with that, and I got into exercise probably for all the wrong reasons, because I was a skinny little geek with glasses, and I was tired of that. So, Long about junior high or so, I asked for a set of weights for Christmas, and I got it, and I, I started lifting weights. I became really serious about it by the time I got to college, and and I left college a lean 185. So, you know, I was, in colloquial terms, pretty jacked at the time, because that's a lot of mass to carry on my frame i'm five nine and i've got you know a light bone structure so i was i was eating you know i'd go to taco bell and and get 13 chicken soft tacos and just you know and and i was eating thousands of calories a day and working out you know two or three hours in the morning and that is untenable I mean, yeah, when you're when you're a young guy, you can do that because you don't have other demands in your life, but then life gets in the way. And so I, I scaled it back some in grad school, uh, but still maintained a, a good level of fitness until along about 1998 or so. I think, in retrospect, that was probably the second exacerbation, the second major exacerbation I had to my MS, and this is still a few years before I was diagnosed. And and so uh, that happened. It was kind of depressing and disillusioning. And I was really busy teaching a lot of classes and trying to finish my dissertation at the time. And so without noticing i I no kidding, without noticing over the next two years, I ballooned to about two hundred and sixty pounds. So by way of reference, my pants went from a trim twenty seven inch waist to barely squeezing into a forty six inch pant. And so <laughs> one morning, I get up, and I, I go to the mirror, and and it was like I actually saw myself for the first time in a long time, because we tend to walk around with this image of ourselves in our head, and we don't necessarily pay much attention to ourselves. And I looked in the mirror, and I said, oh, my gosh, I look like the guy who ate Kevin. <laughs> And so I, I went back to my exercise, and I'd gotten into a bad habit, you know, of eating out all the time and, and all that stuff. And and so I completely cut out soft drinks. I, I haven't had a soft drink in 20 years, uh, and uh, and that's from like, you know, two liters of Mountain Dew a day. And uh, I, I stopped eating out, went back to exercising, and it took a lot because exercising at that point was really difficult so I had to start with really small baby steps and I got something at the time it was called like a health writer or something and it it was really good because it was no impact and it used your body weight you know I don't I don't think they're around anymore and I think there's some modern versions of it but I don't know how what well, how well they work uh, I've seen some sketchy reviews so I don't know but it was a good thing for me and and I had weights, you know, I got a new set of weights, and and I, I went back to my habits. So over the next about two years, by the time you get to early 2002, I had lost 120 pounds. I was back to 140, lean and fit, and basically kept that, you know, with, with a couple of caveats here over the next 20 years or so. This episode is not about weight loss. Uh, I know we'll talk about that in the future. But I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm never going to make any suggestions about diet and exercise to you with the goal of being thin or any other cosmetic reason. Instead, I'm going to suggest that fuel, movement, and recovery are tools that we can all use to feel better and operate better in the world. And and for me, that's what this is about. It's about giving our bodies and our minds and our relationships and our environments better tools so that we can have better quality of life. So you know, then around, you know, in, in 2002, that's when the symptoms started hitting the, that resulted in my MS diagnosis. And so I, I, I was going through this period where I was losing limbs. Literally, I'd wake up one day and I, and I couldn't feel a limb. And usually it was my legs. But one day I woke up and I could feel my right arm and my head, but the rest of my body was gone. And, and that was kind of disturbing. And my family made me you know, get a diagnosis. So I'm going through this this process of cycles, you know, here over the last, you know, almost 20 years with with exacerbations with MS and, and you know, tried to keep working out consistently. And sometimes it was really difficult, right? Because sometimes your body just doesn't want to cooperate at all. I like to run. I like to lift weights. I'm one of those weird humans that actually likes to do these things, and yet it was difficult sometimes. I, you know, there was one incident, I don't run on the road anymore. I don't run outside, and and the reason why I don't is because one morning I was up for a sunrise run, and I'm out running through some twisty-turny neighborhoods, and I overheated myself, and I my legs seized up on me. And so I I went from full run to legs froze up and flying face forward into the gravel. And I was paralyzed there. I I couldn't move. And people just drove on by. (laughs) I don't know if they couldn't see me or what, but I'm... Laying in the gravel, kind of distressed, my face all scratched up from the gravel, and and eventually I cooled down and my legs started moving again and I went back home and went into the shower and didn't even bother to tell my family what had happened. They asked what happened to my face and I just I just fell. So, you know, I've had I've had that, and I've had fatigue and a couple of exacerbations, and they knocked me back, and I couldn't exercise for a long time, so I had to go all the way back to square one. So I've done this multiple times over the years, and, and you know, uh, that brings me to now. You know, in, in 2019, my personal goal was to see if it was even possible for me to get licensed as a skydiver, you know, with, with all of my bodily issues, my troubles with proprioception and interoception, you know, understanding what my body is doing, I didn't know if it was going to be possible. And it took a lot of extra work, and I did that. So in 2020, my personal goal was to become a legit skydiver in my own eyes. You know, I wanted to get a coach rating. I wanted to pass 500 jumps because that's kind of a a landmark. Well, toward the end of 2020, I tore a bicep, (laughs) And I was getting real close to my goal, because my goal for 2020 was to log at least 366 jumps that year, because I wanted to log at least one a day. I managed to log 370. I, I tore my bicep, I threw a brace on my arm, and kept jumping. Do as I say, not as I do, okay? That that wasn't it. So, so toward the end of last year then, you know, in December, I was like, okay, now... My body is completely wrecked at this point because with multiple sclerosis, they say avoid stress. That's the first thing. Well, every time you jump out of an airplane, you trigger your acute stress response because your little cave child is going, no, because it knows that, you know, falling hurts. You know, I trip that acute stress response basically every day. And that's a lot of stress for your body to deal with. Every time you jump out of an airplane, it's also like repeatedly throwing yourself into a category three or four or five hurricane, because we're normally going about 120 miles an hour on our bellies, and, you know, my personal best speed-wise is 183 miles an hour toward the earth, and I'm I'm really working to break 200, because I want to get up to like maybe 210 or so. So that's a lot of just like micro traumas all over as you do it. By the end of last year I had gone through a lot of stress. My workout was not in good in a good place and I had to start all over again. So we're recording this in mid-April of 2021 so it's been about four months or so since I got back to a good workouts Again, starting from baby steps, and you know, in that time, I've been working to try to gain weight, because I had, I had gotten down to a hundred and twenty nine pounds. Um, because I, you know, you get stressed, your body doesn't want to eat so much, and and you know, I just, I was, so I was like, okay, that's dangerously thin. So I'm up to a hundred and sixty pounds. I've, I've uh, you know, and, and at first, because my workout wasn't good, it was like I was gaining more fat than muscle. And, and you know, in the four months here or so, I've, I've lost about four inches on my waist and gained about four inches on my chest and, and gained about 18 pounds of muscle mass, which means I've lost about 18 pounds of fat, in that time, and I'm, and, you know, so I'm, I'm heading toward my goal. Give me another three months or so, and I'll probably be there, and we'll have another conversation about this. Uh, but my point here is, you know, I have lived rehabbing back from exacerbations from my chronic illness, from injuries, coming back from being, you know, morbidly obese, and and you know, really needing it. So. I understand the challenges that you're facing. And in the next segment, I want us to talk a little bit about why we don't want to exercise and what happens when we don't do it. I'm Dr. Kevin Payne. Just jump with me into your life lived well. Half of us now live with chronic illness. Mine is multiple sclerosis. It's your life. Live it well. A chronic diagnosis doesn't mean goodbye to the good life you wanted. You don't have to feel overwhelmed or hopeless. I'll show you how to save yourself. Take your first step at JustJump.Life. Okay, so we've established that exercise is weird and we don't want to do it. The big question there is why? Because. Bodies are adapted to move, and almost any body improves with movement. But here's the thing. Exercise, from our primal brain's point of view, isn't movement with a purpose. Historically, we walked everywhere, we carried what we needed, we hunted or farmed, We built and repaired things. Our lives were full of both incidental and purposeful physical labor. And there was always a point to it, right? An immediate point that your primal brain could grasp. With exercise, it becomes a lot more nebulous and disconnected from immediate experience. Because you're not gonna see the benefits to exercise for months down the road. And and we'll talk about why that's the case. But but that's where the hang up comes in psychologically. We we are we are not moving for a purpose that our primal cave children can understand. And that's why I think of what we're doing here as movement, not exercise, because movement is more concrete, it's more instrumental, it's more useful, and that's the way we have to frame it in order to motivate ourselves to become consistent and to make it a part of our lives. But any way you want to slice it, with a chronic health condition, our starting lines have been effectively moved back. We have to work harder just to get to the baseline capacity of an otherwise normal, air quotes, healthy person. That sucks, but it's what we've got. So we might want to exercise for a sense of personal accomplishment, but ultimately, this is all about building physical capacity so that normal life demands don't leave us over our edge. I'll also add that there's a lot we can learn from the study of elite endurance and extreme athletes, which sounds kind of weird, I know, but it's because they're looking to push their edges and their edges are a lot further out than ours are, but the psychological principles are the same. So, you know, when I was a kid, there was there, this idea of the Cartesian dualism was still really part of our latent culture. Now, if you don't know what the Cartesian dualism is, I mean, first, look it up. It's kind of interesting, and, it, and it's, it, it's a, a major cultural idea, but there was this philosopher a few hundred years ago, named Rene Descartes. And Descartes came up with this idea of the mind-body distinction. So he said, look, we are minds, and we are bodies, and you can either live a life of the mind or live a life of the body. And that was still really kind of underneath our culture when I was still a kid. And it probably still is in some places. You know, you're either going to be uh, uh, an intellectually motivated geeky type, and you're going to be what we would have referred to then on the playground as a pencil neck geek, or you're going to be a physical, athletic kind of person. Now we have a better understanding that we are not minds separated from bodies. And there's a much more general understanding that. You know, we are actually brains constructing minds in bodies doing behaviors in environments. We're embodied minds. So bodies are adapted to move, and almost any body improves with movement. But because we are adapted to move and our modern lives tend to be sedentary, we need to introduce more movement into our lives than we probably normally get. That's just the long and the short of it. And this is true for everyone. Even though I have certain physical limitations that I have to be mindful of, and many of you who are listening to this podcast have physical limitations you have to be mindful of, each of us still needs to move our body as much as it can regularly regardless of age or health status. Yes, we've got special considerations, but we're the people who are going to benefit from this more than anyone else because we're going to be bringing our starting line from way back there to something that is closer to... Something that is operable in day-to-day, regular commitments. When we exercise, when we move, we build four physical capacities. And I want you to think about it like this. You're going to build strength, endurance, flexibility, and balance. And those are all crucial. And different kinds of exercises do the building of these different things. So you can't just go out and walk. That's great. Do that. But it's not going to get you where you need to be. So what happens to our bodies when we don't exercise? We lose those capacities. We lose strength. We lose endurance. We lose flexibility. We lose balance. To the point that our ability to deliver is exceeded by life demands. We fail and we feel overwhelmed. We lose a lot more than this. I'm going to give you a scary list here. We lose muscles. Our muscles become deconditioned. So we lose muscle mass. We lose The ability to activate our muscles neurologically the way that we normally would. We lose the muscles that allow us to breathe effortlessly. Our heart becomes weaker. Our limbs become weaker. Our system has to work harder, even at rest. Our whole body has to work harder all the time. So our blood pressure tends to go higher. We become more distressed because we're operating closer to our edge all the time. So our baseline level of stress goes up. Our metabolism slows. So all those... Hormonal and other processes in your body slow down. They become less efficient. And that means that there's a lot of junk and plaques and things like that that are building up in your system. We have a greater risk of heart disease, atherosclerosis, right? Fatty plaque building up in arteries. We lose neuroplasticity and have reduced neurogenesis. Okay, there goes Rene Descartes' mind-body dualism right out the window. Our minds do not operate as well. And we will see this in more noticeable memory and cognitive problems. We become more vulnerable to age-related brain declines and structural changes. We lose endurance. That means we get more tired more quickly. We lose the regulation of glucose levels. So, our blood sugar levels become more erratic, highs and crashes, right? We increase the likelihood of cancers, and especially some like colon cancer, breast cancer, you know, others as well. We become more susceptible to osteoarthritis and repetitive joint injuries. We become more prone to any injuries. Our HDL, our Quote unquote good cholesterol levels go down, and our LDL, that quote unquote bad cholesterol level, goes up. So our cholesterol levels get out of whack. Their ratio is wrong. Our bones become more brittle and more susceptible to osteoporosis. We suffer a greater likelihood of depression. We become more sensitive to distress. We have a greater likelihood of obesity and the related issues. We have greater cravings for unhealthy foods when we don't move. Fundamentally, we lose both lifespan. We have a 500% greater chance of early death. And we lose health span as well. Simply put, if you don't use it, you lose it. That holds for any living system. We must work to avoid decay. So your goal should be to develop more of these capacities than you'd typically be called to deliver in any given day. That's so that you're not out on your edge due to normal life obligations. That's why you want to move. You want to move because you want to build those capacities. So, who should not exercise? Well, there are no absolute rules, but they have certainly changed in my lifetime. Uh, There used to be all sorts of conditions where the medical profession would say rest. If in doubt, you need to check with your medical team, obviously, who know your condition best. But in general, what we say now is that You need to move your body as much as your body will allow you to move it. So there will be windows of time when absolute rest is called for. Right? Especially, for example, when you're fighting off some other condition like an infection, on top of everything else you're already dealing with. But with modern research, it's possible to develop a movement program for almost anyone. So... My point here is, there's no excuse not to move. And there's so many benefits. And I didn't even list all of them when I had that huge, ginormous list just now. We have to practice and build every capacity. Physical, mental, emotional, in relationships, all that stuff. It's part of being human. And once we get there we can't rest on our laurels we have to keep working or the natural processes of entropy will take over and we will start decaying and lose what we gained i want you to think about why are you not exercising and after the break we'll talk about some of the things that you can do to start exercising we all have challenges Mine is multiple sclerosis. We each have this one life. And we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness. But there's a better way. So I choose to just jump. And you can too. It's your life. Live it well. Just JustJump.life and we're back and we're talking about movement and how to get started moving again I will remind you check with your medical team they know your condition best work out a plan that works for you but if we are trying to build in four areas so endurance that's aerobic fitness Uh, we're trying to build strength those are going to be resistance exercises We're trying to build balance and flexibility, and those are uh, a variety of of stretching and, and balance exercises, and we'll talk about these here in a minute. I want to take you through some approaches that you can take in each of these areas. So there's no right or wrong exercise. There's no magic bullet. The exercises, the movements that you will find most useful are the ones that you will keep doing. And it really is just as simple as that. Now, many of us have conditions that mean that we don't want to deal with high-impact aerobic exercises, so we don't want to go out running on the roads or jogging or things like that. Uh, But there are lots of low and no-impact aerobic exercises that we can do. So, You know, kind of the granddaddy of all of them is swimming. So if you are a fish, then go swim. If you like the water, go swim. If it's easily available to you, go swim. I've never been a huge fan of the water, so I I swim well enough to save myself if I need to. And other than that, it's not really a thing in my life. But we can also cycle. And if you don't like riding a bike out on the road, then uh, get a stationary bike, a recumbent bike, uh, which helps with with some physical limitations. uh, And, you know, use that. Elliptical trainers. I like to row, so I have a rowing machine. All of those are low or no impact. And if you do like to walk, jog or run, do it on the sand or the grass or, you know, a nice padded track, right? And and you have all those good options uh, that that are probably around. So one of the fascinating things that we found with aerobic exercise is You can get started with really tiny bursts. So, do it vigorously for 30 seconds, then rest for, say, 90 seconds, then do another 30 seconds, then rest for another 90 seconds, and do those two-minute cycles for, say, 10 minutes. Start with one just move vigorously for 30 seconds and that may be a lot and and don't get down on yourself because you have to compare yourself to yourself if if you are on average doing a little bit better each day taking into account that someday you're going to have sometimes you're going to have good days and bad days right on average you want to do a little better each day week to week month to month then you're going to see benefits out of that and pretty soon you'll do your 30 seconds and you think oh I can do 45 so do 45 and rest for a minute 15 and do another 45 and and keep stacking those up so so you're you're breaking this into Tiny, little, almost embarrassingly small morsels. And the thing that you have to keep in mind is, first, and we talked about this in other episodes, you are building a place in your life for the habit. That's the most crucial thing, because you have to build that place in your life. If you don't, then you're always thinking oh what am i missing out on if i'm spending my time doing this you have to make this time the time that you are doing your movement and and once you have made that time in your life and started developing that habit and it's going to take you a few weeks a few months you know you 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 may be several weeks in before you actually feel really comfortable. And then then you'll get to the point of, well, you know, I'm only doing aerobic exercise for two minutes here. And you'll be in the middle of it one day and you'll say, oh, I'll just keep going because this seems like it's not very much. And that's how you do it. You've got to start so small, smaller than you ever imagined you would need to start. Because you have to make it easy to have a place in your life. And you have to do that first. And then you have to start, maybe not looking forward to it, but uh, feeling weird if you are not doing that thing in that time. Right? So, for me, I hit the rowing machine. And when I was getting back, you know, after, after all the stress and the injury of, of last year, you know, I began with short bursts and pauses, just like I'm talking about. And then you extend the bursts and shrink the pauses until you get to your full time. Now, for me, I devote 20 minutes to aerobic activity. And I increase the intensity. Once I'm comfortable... Performing all out for those 20 minutes, then I gradually increase the intensity. So I, I have no interest in running or rowing or walking or biking or anything like that for an hour of my time. But what we do know is that if you do this right, and then you, you get into something called HIIT training, right? Which is high-intensity interval training, right? And so so if you're on, say, a... Uh, a treadmill, maybe you're running at, you know you're just you're jogging or fast walking and you want to do that for 20 minutes. So you're at a fast walk for 20 minutes. So now you start indu- introducing these high intensity intervals in there. So every maybe at the beginning, every five minutes, you're gonna crank that up five more miles an hour on the treadmill for 30 seconds. And then you're going to come back to your brisk walk. And then after another five minutes, you're going to do another interval. These intervals are a really effective way to build those capacities. So for me then, like you, you will find that you have your specific concerns with each kind of exercise or each kind of movement that you're doing. So I have a narrow operating temperature range. Heat sensitivity is really common with MS. So when I get too hot, I can't feel my legs. And uh, in fact, sometimes more of my body starts disappearing. So, and, and I become really weak. When I become too cold, my, I get spasticity. My legs just seize up. So I've got this narrow operating temperature, and I've got to make sure that uh, the environment's not too cold, even though I want it to be cooler when I work out so I don't get too hot, right? So uh, you will understand your concerns as you do it. If we're dealing with resistance, if we're wanting to build strength, we've got those big rubber bands that people use. We've got body weight exercises. We've got dumbbells. We've got barbells. We've got machines, you know, All of those give you an opportunity. I like dumbbells. I like dumbbells because when you use dumbbells instead of barbells, it recruits more of the stabilizing muscles because you can't use one side of your body to cheat for the other. I would also add then that you can get to the point where you don't take breaks between each set and you can also get aerobic benefits from it as well. So, like, for me, once I work into my full workout, which I'm back to now, I, I will usually do a circuit of 29 free weight exercises with the dumbbells in 22 to 30 minutes. A deliberate pace, no breaks, full range of motion, pause on extension and contraction, and I never stop. And, I, and I'm winded, and I'm I, I've got a really good workout by the end of it. And then I go to the rowing machine. But when I was coming back to this, I started with about 10 exercises in 10 minutes with light weights, low reps, because I'm building the habit and I'm building the space and I'm building the movement the first time, right? So start small. Don't be afraid to start small. And then there's balance and flexibility. And sometimes you can tie these together, and there are lots of stretching exercises. Uh, You can use yoga or tai chi. Uh, You know, those have a lot of great moves, and there are a lot of good routines that you can uh, get access to on the web for free and and follow those uh, patterns. For me, it's a 10-minute set of yoga, tai chi, and track exercises that I use And, you know, my special considerations is I get MS and my balance goes wonky, so I have to have a nearby chair or a bench sometimes for support. On a really good day, I don't need it. On a bad day, I do. So I've got that there so I don't fall over. So switch it up, especially when you've plateaued and you're no longer seeing progress. Body builds habits. So if you're not stretching toward your edge, it's not triggering to grow and develop. But a good movement routine is going to have elements of all four of these things. You're going to be working on strength, endurance, balance, and flexibility. Not for their own sake, but because you don't want to lose all those things that happen in that list that I gave you and and you want to be able to meet the demands that normal day-to-day life throws at you we'll take a break here and we'll talk about some general principles that you can put into action immediately we all have challenges mine is multiple sclerosis we each have this one life we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness, but there's a better way so I choose to just jump and you can too it's your life live it well justjump.life we're back and we're moving or at least thinking about moving and I want to emphasize that a chronic illness is not an excuse to become inactive. We've got more reasons than anyone else not to let our health slide further through inactivity. And I know it sucks. I know this. We, we've got more that we have to deal with. And either we're going to, or we're going to allow ourselves to become swamped under all of it. This, this is not a choice. So, what kind of benefits are you going to get out of this? Your, your muscle neurology is going to become more effective and more efficient. Your, your brain is going to wire itself better to your muscles. It's going to be able to recruit more fibers more efficiently, more effectively. You're going to gain muscle mass, and your muscles are going to operate more easily. Your whole body is going to operate better and more easily. You're going to crave better calories because your body is demanding more nutritional things. It's going to be more effective because you're demanding more of your body, and your body is going to be making better requests. It's as simple as that. You're going to get better sleep. Regular movement helps increase the sleep pressure that you feel by the end of the day. You become less prone to injury. You don't get winded. And and let me tell you, truthfully, I mean, I, I... I I wish I had some of these on video, but I don't normally have somebody videoing my landings. But when I started out back with the skydiving, I mean, I bounced ferociously. I mean, I had there were a couple of times where we—I got a buddy I jump with who's an EMT who he, he like looked at that and he was like getting his rig off and getting ready to run over to me and it's was like I'd pop right up, so fortunately I'm a very bouncy human, and that's really good. I can PLF like a boss. It's PLF is parachute landing fall. You're not going to get winded when you're moving regularly you're going to have a better mood better cognitive operation better emotional resilience and you're going to live longer and have a better quality of life when you do etc right so just reverse that list from segment 2 a few minutes ago remember that to do this to get this to a point where movement is a habit in your life, it takes a long time. It takes months. It takes longer than you think it should take. So, first, we're making a space for your habit. Second, we're becoming comfortable with how movement feels. We're practicing and we're building interoception. And, and that's our ability to sense what's going on within our bodies. We're, we're practicing and building proprioception. That's our understanding of where our bodies are in space. We're practicing and building our kinesthetic intelligence, our, our ability to just naturally have the body do what we want it to do. And we're building bodily trust. Most of you are probably like me and you've been through some experiences in your life which make it difficult for you to trust your bodies. That was one of the things that I had to really build when I went back to becoming a skydiver. Because you got to trust yourself. You're going 120 miles an hour toward the earth and if you don't pull, you splat. So you have to do something and you have to trust yourself to do it. Now, I don't recommend anybody else you know, teach themselves in that way, but you are building that bodily trust, to reducing your fear and knowing your true edges. There are a lot of mental things going on that try to protect you, to try to keep you from pulling back from an activity before it's going to get to your edge. So it makes you think that you're at your edge when you're not really and you're going to have a better understanding of those things. You are learning what your edge truly feels like, how to recognize it, how to recognize when you're approaching it, so that you don't push yourself too far when you're out in the world, and you can back off and and relax a little bit, and you can become more comfortable there because you're building that trust, right? And you're building proper form early on. You're And proper form is the most crucial. It's not about lifting a lot of weight. It's not about lifting it a lot of times. It's not about running really far. It's about doing these things, making these movements in the right ways. In healthy ways. Having great form. And you want to canalize those habits. You want to deeply build those habits of doing these things in the right way. And then you're less likely to move in a way that's going to injure yourself later on. And then I'll throw out here this one idea of the just noticeable difference, right? So it turns out, and this is a, a fundamental concept in the psychology of perception, but it happens all over the place, and, and that is we don't notice changes until they, they become big enough. So we often have little tiny, little tiny changes going on around us and we don't notice until it becomes a lot like me not noticing until i would ballooned up to 260 pounds okay that was a little unobservant on my part but this principle holds so if you are trying to make a place for movement in your life first start embarrassingly small because first, you're making space for your movement habit. With resistance exercises, slow, purposeful, mindful movements. If you see some guy jerking the weights around, he's hurting himself, okay? It's, if, you have to, if you have to make a sudden, harsh movement to move that amount of weight, don't move that much weight. Slow, purposeful, mindful movements. Because you're not only building these habits, you're reacquainting yourself with how your body works now. With aerobic exercise, anything that comfortably raises your heart rate, a little bit, works. Play to your strengths. What do you enjoy doing or hate less? You know, whatever it is. Number four, substitute more movement-intensive options in your life. If there are two ways of doing something, and one is really easy and really efficient, do the one that's a little more effortful. Take the stairs instead of the elevator, right? So, a few times in your day, choose to substitute the more intensive option. Number five, I'm going to go back to my tried and true advice, have a plan A, B, and C. Nothing isn't an option. So, your plan C for your movement is going to be so tiny, embarrassingly small that you maybe don't even want to fess up to it, okay? I got those plan Cs. And and the reason why I have it is because you must always protect the space that you're making for movement in your life. And plan C protects that, and it also is protecting your identity and your self-esteem. Because you're doing something. And something is cognitively miles different from nothing. No big plans. Number six, no big plans. Whatever you'll actually do is the best. This, is, this isn't about pie-in-the-sky dreams. It's about the next step. Number seven, eat better. Give your body the right fuel. I know, there's going to be some episodes about this coming on. Number eight, sleep regularly. When we move, when we exercise, the gains don't happen when we exercise. The gains happen that night when we sleep and we allow our body to consolidate and repair itself. If you have the world's greatest nutrition regime and you're getting the right fuel in and you have the world's greatest exercise regime and you're doing all the right moves in all the right ways and you don't sleep enough, you will not see the improvements. Simple as that. So all of this is not about becoming pumped and ripped. It's not. Our goal is to build and maintain a little more capacity than we use each day. So why do I move regularly? Because I know the quality of life I experience is better. Full stop. And if you do this, you can too. So go forth. Move a little. Be well, do well, and do good. If you've enjoyed today's topic and want to join the conversation with Dr. Kevin Payne, find Your Life Lived Well on all of your favorite social media sites, Patreon, and of course, yourlifelivedwell.co. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.